Welcome to Nerd Sports. Today we're going to talk about cricket and how the implements of... Let me go ahead and uh, close out of this real quick. <laughs> cricket. Uh, that's awesome. But uh, how do you like the coffee? Coffee is... Uh, it's kind of nutty, Basil. Yeah. It's that uh, sweet, uh, sweet vat. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, so uh, you you actually went to uh, the Ranger Stadium this weekend. Yeah, New Globe Life Field. Yeah, I went to go take my boys to go see the Red Sox play. Um, <laughs> the bullpen gave it up, but whatever. Um, Globe Life Field, Marlington. Yeah, um, I was excited to go. Uh, one, I mean, it was a it's a live baseball game too. I get to go see my Red Sox play. Um, it was a Sunday game, so usually that's like a you know it's a one thirty first pitch. So. Um, New Stadium looks like something out of a sci-fi spy novel. Um, it's kind of like really? if the Soviet Union had survived the Cold War, and then East Germany kind of became the, the uh, industrial powerhouse that they were trying to make it, and the two came together and they had their architects come up with this. I mean, from the outside, it looks like... Uh, <laughs> it almost looks like the concrete dome over, over Chernobyl, had a baby with the you know with the Hindenburg or something, it, it I mean, wow, I mean it is aesthetically an ugly building from the outside. Um, you, you're not going to talk about the score. Well, yeah, okay. So the Red Sox <laughs> lost five to three. Okay? You're so I had already it. addressed that the Red Sox <laughs> lost because why the bullpen fucking gave it up. Uh-huh. Anyways, we're fucking <laughs> moving on. <laughs> You're because so adamant. You're so adamant. Last week, the Red Sox get away. The Red Sox, they have well, all this on stuff. Paper, <laughs> on paper, they should have won. I mean, for crying out loud. I mean, besides that, Garrett Richards decided that he wanted to actually show up and pitch two inning or two outings in a row, and I was happy about that. But then, and then, and then, the bullpen came in. So we're like, ah, okay, the bullpen, right? Adam Ottavino, you know, he, meh, eh, he's usually a stud. Comes in. He drags his gas can out to the hump and burns the fucking place down. And I'm like, oh. you know, and then, then we get these glaring, glaring reminders that. You're in Texas? No, that these, <laughs> that these you know, that, that our general manager for the Red Sox, uh, um, Heim, uh, um, uh, Heim Bloom, he's uh, either a complete moron or he's a mad scientist who likes to play the long game. He let one of our star utility players go by the name of Brock Holt uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, last season, didn't re-sign him. Uh, Brock Holt ended up in Milwaukee, played there, uh, did really well for the Brewers. And then um, he ended up as a non-roster invitee for the Rangers during their spring training this year. Any team in their right mind would be happy to sign this guy because – he brings that kind of intangible product to the field and to the locker room, you know, leadership. I mean, he, I mean, he's not going to be your perennial, you know, hey, we're going to sign him to multi-million dollars, but he's a good, solid, old-school baseball player. And the guy is just fun to watch. And he ended up torching us for, you know, what ended up being a two-run go-ahead double in the eighth inning. So, you know, kind of, you know, read through all the out throughout the the pages of Red Sox Nation on Facebook it's a uh, you know kind of yep 
Brock, Brock Holt. You got to tip your hat to the Brock star because, I mean, he, he torched us in the eighth inning out there. But anyways, so the building, when you get to the inside, the interior is kind of modern. But it, it's still got this kind of like haphazard kind of quality to it. It's like kind of, you know, like some of the things that they did inside the park were one of these last-minute hold-my-beer thoughts, you know. Um, it's got a retractable roof, which, you know, it, it's cool. I mean, I, it's a great concept. I love it. Um, do I think that every ballpark in America needs one? No, absolutely not. Um, and we got to watch it open and close from the inside uh, of the park, which was cool because it takes about 10 minutes to open. It takes 10 minutes to close. And it runs on these tracks. And it was absolutely quiet. You could not hear a damn thing. And it was really cool just to kind of watch this thing moving, you know, and see the shadows move across the field. It was pretty cool. But, um, I mean, the acoustics inside the venue are awesome. I mean, the bats sound different when they smack that ball. I mean, it just it just reverberates throughout the entire, you know, uh, building. Um, it's built almost kind of like a coliseum. And the one of the biggest... I mean, and the absolute biggest takeaways that I had was the obstructed view seating. The seats where we sat in section 27. Yep. There we go. All right. So, um, you know, the section where we were sitting. By the way, if you hear this noise, it's a cement trunk. Someone's doing remodeling next door. So, yay. You, you, you got to love it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Our semi-professional studio here. Yeah. Um, even if it was a professional studio, if they're right outside and everything like that. Well, I mean, we'd have more soundproofing. So you just think? Saying, yeah, probably. <clears throat> um, anyway, so, I mean, just like the sound of the bat, you know, making contact with the ball is amplified. I mean, it just sounds different. You know, you hear all these people talking about, well, it hits different. Well, you know, it, it just, it, it really kind of does. I mean, it's, it, but anyway, like, like I was saying, it, it, uh, you know the, the the acoustics inside the building are cool. I mean, you can you can kind of sort of hear some of the the, the, the conversations between the players on the field. Um, Is that due to the fact that how many people were actually there? Um, well, see, and I'm going to get to that in a minute. Um, I didn't look at the actual attendance for the game that day, but um, the the Globe Life Field and Minute Maid Park are open to 100% capacity here in Texas. And uh, I love it, you know, because it's like, all right, enough is enough. We need to, you know, we need to be able to get on with our lives. Yeah, anytime I get a number on my phone that's all zeros, no, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to talk to you. I've never even seen that. Yeah, you know, usually it's it's because somebody's trying to tell me that my social security number has been compromised and that they're going to they're gonna suspend my social security number like, Oh, I just get spam, potential or, or, spam. Or, you know, now. yeah, it's like, um, uh, usually, uh, yeah, I, I like to toy with the, the scammers. It's it's funny. But anyways, so, but the acoustics in the building are, are amazing. I mean, it's, it's, there's plenty of seating. I mean, there's not quite as much seating as there was in the old ballpark, which is still up and across the street, literally across the street. But, um... You know, it uh, the obstructed view seating was a huge. <laughs> we're gonna push through. Yeah. Um, 
the, the obstructed view seating was a huge letdown. I mean, this, none of the seats were, were advertised as obstructed view. None. And so I'm thinking, okay, great. And, and you know, and, 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 and for the ticket sales, you know how most ballparks and most teams and most events, whenever you click on a section, it gives you kind of like a thumbnail of what to expect for your view. Nope, not here. Not yet, anyway. Um, the seats where I was sitting, um, if you look from home plate, you're looking out into the center field. You'll see the visitor's bullpen on the left, just to the left of what's called the batter's eye. It's a, it's a row of completely blacked out windows, right? And I believe that those are uh, like reserved. It's a lounge. I think that's in there, if, I'm not, if I remember right. But uh, anyway, so... Um, from where we were sitting, you couldn't look down into the bullpen because they had all this plexiglass zip stripped to the handrails. Oh. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is, this is excessive. You know, we're going to open this up to 100%, but yeah, we're going to cram people into areas and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're going to, I mean, I could see the diamond. I could see what was going on on the diamond. That's fine. But anything that got hit into center field and anything that got hit into uh, right field, I couldn't see. Oh, wow. Yeah, because, I mean, it, it was right there, that, that lounge or whatever it is, the batter's eye area, that was completely blocking my view. The You couldn't look down into the bullpen through even through the plexiglass because you had all these ushers going around like the the Gestapo. There was a like a, a six year old kid who was looking he, he he wasn't leaning over on the glass, he wasn't climbing on the glass. He was just looking down into the bullpen. You know, we I mean future Hall of Famer, I mean at least in my opinion, Jason Veritek, uh he played catcher for the Red Sox in the O four and the O seven World Series teams and he stayed on with the organization as a pitching or as a as a as, as a like a bullpen coach right and I mean, he's walking around in there and i'm like man this is freaking cool because you know this is jason fucking veritech you know i mean this guy balls you know it's like the only guy to punch a rod in the face okay you know and so you know i'm, I'm sitting there I'm, I'm like okay I, you know, you just put up with the plexiglass for a little bit because you can tell that it was put up at, for COVID protocols. I, I'm really, I'll be glad when we can move past this because we didn't do a damn thing for H1N1. We, we went on about our lives like nothing was ever going on. But yet now all of a sudden we've got this COVID thing that where it's like a, like a 98 or 99% survivability rate. 99.9. Yeah, and, and, and you know, we're forcing people to get vaccinated and all this other good crap. And yet we're still blocking things off because why? Uh, control? I don't know. 1984 much. I don't know. That's my just my take on it. But a six-year-old was trying to look down into the bullpen. Now this is this is my my beef. One of you know part of my beef with that is that part of the purpose of taking your kids to a game is so that way they can look at, they can experience the sights, the sounds of the game fall in love with it and and they can you just as a parent 
just kind of marvel at the awe that comes across their face because they're I mean they're they're that close to major league baseball players. Yeah. I'm not saying that we should de- you know deify you know deify the, these these uh, these mortal men who are playing a perfect game. But it's still it's cool because these guys are are I mean they're doing they're in the show you know I mean they're 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 playing baseball for a living they're the top tier yeah I mean the, these are it and it's like how some people that are like uh, uh, tactical sluts yeah. once they get to hang out with like tier one people and everything like that they're getting a little scared yeah it'd be like Matt Best calling you on FaceTime when unexpectedly you know yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but that, I don't. I don't know when, when. Why would that happen? But you know, that's that is just weird. Yeah, I mean, that you was should never, weird. never say, never, never no, say that anything yeah. like that again. But um, anyway, so here comes this usher, the security guard, tells the kid to sit in his seat. Doesn't say back away from the glass. It says, "Find your seat and sit down." And it's like, who the hell are you? I mean, they're not bothering anybody. They're not weighing. They're not laying on the glass. They're just trying to look. You know, and it's like we, you know, the government, the, the governor of the state of Texas opened everything up at one hundred percent. He opened up the state. We were one of the first states to do it. And and you know, yeah, you get all these liberal commentators, and you get all this other. Well, I it's mean, not. It's not even that. What well, it, what it, it basically is, it's it's like that security guard that was in high school, and he was a bully, and he didn't have an, a niche when he was, you know, he got out, and he needed something to control and everything, and. I mean, look at... Look, uh, yeah, on, so, I mean, he wasn't our, smart enough to become a cop, so he gets a private security job working at a stadium so he, he can bully other I bet, people I bet around. that guy was a tactical slut. Yeah, I don't know if so much of a tactical slut because he knew... Because he's one of those people that probably knows that the second that they get around people who actually have done that job for a living, that they're going to call him out on his crap and they're going to... He's going to... He's going to... It's going to give him flashbacks to high school where he had to go cry and hide in the handicap stall in the men's, you know, the boys' bathroom the, during the second half of the day. But I digress. You, you never had to do that. No, to, I didn't. Never okay. did. That was never me. Anyways. All right. So, but it's like, okay, aside from the obstructive view seats that were not advertised as such, the plexiglass everywhere, the overbearing ushers and security guards that were, you know, walking around with these signs saying, please wear your masks. 98% of the people that were in the stadium that day, in the park that day, to watch a damn game, no masks. And I was one of them, happily. You know, I'm like, look, one, a good portion of the people walking around here have probably been vaccinated. Two, if, if, this, if, if we feel that as a government, a state government, that we have the ability to open up at 100%, yes, while you are a private business and you can still have the, reserve the right to dictate certain things, you, you really have to kind of, you know, kind of look at yourself in the mirror and go, is it really that bad, you know? Instead, no. I mean, they're they're going off of political expediency. They're trying to do the whole optically right thing. I, I just don't agree with it, you know. So, do you have the right to wear a mask if you want to? Absolutely, but don't force it on people. Just like we, as people who don't want to wear masks, shouldn't force it on other people to say, you know what, you're wearing a mask, you're a retard. No, it's 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 not that at all. We still have the opportunity and and the ability to choose things that we want to do, like go to a ball game. 
But when I go to a ball game, don't dictate to me how I can sit there and watch that game. As long as I'm not being belligerent, as long as I'm not sit there, sitting there and, and – uh, endangering myself or the people around me to include the players on the field, leave me alone and let me exercise my right to sit in that stand or to sit in that seat and watch a ball game with my kids. Okay. Now the way that the facility had just the whole, I mean, it kind of had this minimum security feel to it and like, okay. So like with the parking issues, okay. <laughs> we got there early because when you go to a ball game, one of the biggest parts about going to a ball game is trying to get there for batting practice. Yeah. Because, right? I mean, one, you get to watch these big leaguers get into the batting cage and they get to put on a show because, I mean, it's they're, they're just completely relaxed. They're in there trying to get their swing timing down. They're trying to just kind of warm up the muscles a little bit. But they're putting on a show. They're putting balls in seats. You know, I mean, they're they're I mean, they're launching baseballs. Yeah. And 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 that's one of the best times to try to snag a souvenir. It's like, hey, check this out. I caught a, a batting practice ball. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, those things are still coming in pretty hot. So I mean, it's like, you know, you're snagging those balls. And, you know, and it's like, all right, well, I've got one. I'm going to snag these, and I'm going to hand them to kids. You know, and it, and it's just that's part of the game. And I mean, it, for years it's been that way. For whatever reason, the way that the city of Arlington the Texas Rangers baseball organization and the people who run Globe Life Field, they kind of don't see it that way anymore. And so, like the, the parking lots on for a Sunday game with a 131st pitch, those parking lots don't open until 1130. They don't open the gates until 12. And I'm like, I can't, eh. you know, you're paying 10 25 sometimes $85, depending on what lot you want to park in. Just to sit there and be told, hey, look, I know you showed up early, but you're going to have to drive around somewhere for about an hour. And, you know, it's either that or, you know, you go find some place that's got an open lot. You'll pay them just to move your car back. And it's like, no, I had already paid for the parking pre-reserved. Open up the damn lot, you know. I mean, what, what's ridiculous. opening up the lots? What, what is opening up the lot going to do, you know? I, I, we were literally across the street, across and down, ju- just down the street from the from from the from the gates. And you got this overbearing, not personable at all. He individual. was pulled off his mom's teeth for well, no, he and he it. wasn't even a young guy. He was just some old <laughs> salty ass dude who. It still could happen. You know it. it <laughs> He comes pulling up in this golf cart, and he's like, you guys are going to have to leave. We're like, yeah, um, about that. I'm just trying to figure out what time the lot actually opens up. And he goes, well, how did you guys get into here? I was like, well, we lifted the rope and drove over, uh, drove underneath it. I mean, you, you do the magic. Oh, you, you, broke, you broke the rules? Yeah, yeah, I broke the rules. What the fuck were you thinking? I, I don't know. Um, America? But, okay. Um, anyway, so the, the parking lots didn't open until 1130. The gates didn't open until 12, you know. And, that is really sweet. But uh, the coffee, not not what the gates. I, you know, I was okay. just clarifying for, you know, our, like, three three viewers. Um, anyway, so One and a half. walk in, and, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is this is good. This is great. This, this is going to be awesome. Walk in, and I look down on the field, and the grounds crew is already out there 
trying to get the field ready for game time. No batting cages, no no uh, mat. There's usually a mat that they put over the mound, or there's usually a mat that they put over the over the over the over home plate uh, down there, just so that way it's usually like a like a mat of astroturf that they put down there, or a rubber mat that they put down so they can protect the batters' boxes. Because um, <clears throat> that way, you know, players will get in and they'll dig in, and you know they'll dig divots into the batters' boxes before the game, you know, before the game starts, and just it just I don't know, it just doesn't look good. But I mean, usually the the field's set up. They're out there. The players are out there warming up. They're you know they're they're getting their swings in, you know, prior to game time, and then they go back down in there. It's like, you know, they they've either moved all of that up to where you know, the players are out there like 9, 10, 30, and they practice until maybe 11, 11, 30. And then they go down into the locker room. It's like to get dressed out or whatever. And, and like open that back up. Let the fans see that. And uh, through some of the conversations that I, I was a part of in the, the line waiting to get through the, through the gate, you, one of the perks of buying season tickets was early access. Like you could get in 30 minutes prior. To uh, you know the uh, yeah opening just you know, like opening uh, clear up in, in the airport or some shit like that right like right most, right or the fast pass up at uh yeah they took that away yeah and the fast pass at Disney uh, not so much anymore I mean you you still get queued up and you know I mean you're you're being watched by cameras and God forbid you take your mask down to unlock your phone because then you'll get a text state stating that uh, you know hey mask policies are being enforced blah 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 but. With the, I mean, the deficiencies aside, I mean, whether it was protocols for COVID or the money grab or just a piss poor way that the front office of baseball does business these days, I, the experience was just a little bit le- less than lackluster. I mean, I tried to, to take away the positives. I was there finally getting to see a live ball game for the first time in a couple of years. Um, and, you know, I was there with my kids. So, you know, and... Overall, I mean, we enjoyed ourselves. Yeah, sure, the Red Sox lost, but we still got to go see a ball game. We still got to see the Red Sox play. And, you know, we got to see some really decent baseball, you know. Um, I mean, that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? It's like fathers and sons, brothers, you know, brothers taking in games and stuff like that. I mean, despite the, 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 the physical shortcomings of the stadium, as far as like the obstructive view seating and, and the like, the plexiglass, the plexiglass you could tell was kind of an afterthought. I mean, because it was all zip stripped in, so I mean, it's, it wasn't like bolted in or anything like that. I mean, they 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 had it zip stripped, so I mean, it's not like they can't go in and just cut it down. And at some point, you know, people that that run that facility collectively pull their heads out of their fourth point of contact, and they they cut that damn plexiglass down to where we can interact with the players like we used to, and we can interact, you know, and, and we don't have that distortion of the view, you know, of the field. I mean, because plexiglass, you, you look through plexiglass, you know, and it's just like you, you get that wave because it's just, it's not, they they, they just pump out it that It obscures your vision a little bit. It does. Yeah. Um, in addition to the architecture of the place, the, 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 the plexiglass obscured the view. So, yeah, while it does sound like I'm kind of going off on this, whole like it semi-entitled you know 
rant or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of sound like you got a first world problem there. Yeah, I mean, it is a first world problem, but at the same time, it's like it's 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 a problem that shouldn't exist. Yeah, you know. So take down the damn plexiglass. You know, let's let's try to get back to the way things used to be. Before everybody started losing their minds over this COVID thing, we're it's gonna be probably around about a year and a half until everything gets well, normal. Normal. I mean, it's not gonna keep me from going to another ball game. I'm just gonna pick a different section to, to, to sit in because now that I've been there, I can, you know, and I know what the you know what what seats offer the best view. Yeah, I'll have to pay more for it, but you know what? Fine. It, it, to me, just either fix the seats or advertise them as obstructive views, but give the people buying the tickets to these events there a chance to make the most of the time and money that they're devoting to your venue. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the Totally Archery <laughs> Challenge, the, the, only, the only problem I had, of course, it was an outdoor event. Yeah. Every, every vendor and everything was outdoors and everything. No one was wearing a mask. And, uh, we went into, I had a, and by the way, I'm never going to, Never eat at a place like uh, Carlsbad Caverns. Yep. Burger was like ten bucks. Yeah, the the concessions. That that's where they really rape you. You I remember mean, you remember how concession stands used to be, cash and credit. Yeah. Yeah, there it's all credit card now. Like if you take cash into the ballpark, they you're not gonna buy anything with it. Oh wow! Now the Texas Live Plaza outside the ballpark. Great, awesome. Um, you know, it, it, <laughs> it kind of makes me laugh because the, the the plaza outside was a complete contradiction to what was going on inside. Where inside, even though it's like an open area, yeah. with, the roof was open that day. They're, they're like, please wear your masks. Here, sit behind this plexiglass. You know, just sit in your seats. Don't don't stand up and. Don't don't do this. We finally have control of you. Right, but second we get outside, everybody's crammed together in this little plaza because um, they had turned this uh, water fountain on, yeah. and um, you know it was like a water feature, you know, with those uh, nozzles that come up out of the ground. Um, kids and adults were out there because it was it was kind of humid, but it was really kind of warm a Sunday afternoon, and people were they were getting wet. They were they were playing in the water, and it was cool, you know, and. Um, I even let my uh, my youngest son, uh, Rank or Reagan, he <laughs> he was running through the water and getting wet, and I'm like, yeah, go for it, you know. Nobody nobody outside was wearing a mask, at all, and we're all within like a foot and a half of each other. Oh no! You know, they had live music playing, people coming in and out of Texas Live. Uh, there's a, a store uh, there in the Texas uh, Live. Uh, the, the Globe Life Field Plaza, I guess, um, called Baseballism. And it, it's just a store devoted to nothing but baseball, right? Oh, okay. Um, Is that where you got the hat? or did you No, no, it? no. The, 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 fat, the, 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 fat, the hat I ordered offline, but uh, it's the, the new uh, Armed Forces Day hat for 2021. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they, they don't cater to a team at all. I mean, it, it's, it's all like the baseball lifestyle. Um, they got shirts that have like Sandlot references, Major League, you know, the movie Major League. Um, they got a shirt that's got the the, the statue of Jobu, <laughs> right? It says it's very bad to take Jobu's rum, very bad, you know. Um, um, 
I've, I've got a shirt. I, I, I ordered a shirt that had been back ordered for, you know, forever, but I went in there and they had it on sale or they had it available in stock. So I was like, I bought another one and I gave my old one to my, my son Colin, but it's baseball math and it's six, four, three equals two. Right. And it's an addition problem. Six plus four plus three equals two. And, uh, you know, in, in your mind, you're like, oh, that's 13. No, it's, it's really not. Because if you look <clears throat> the way that the positions are numbered on the baseball field and how they score certain plays, six, four, three means the shortstop to second to first. And that's usually how most double plays occur. So six plus plus four plus three equals two out. So it's a double play. And I, 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 I love that shirt because, one, the people who know, they get it. And they're like, that's awesome. I like that. Um, but then you get these other people that are just like completely clueless. Like yesterday, I wore that shirt to my son's practice. And uh, <laughs> a couple of the parents, mostly the moms, they were like, um, I don't get that shirt because six plus four plus three does not equal two. I'm like, yes, it does. It's baseball math, you know. And I explain it to them. And they're like, oh, well, I either get the, oh, that's clever, I like that, or, oh, that shirt's just stupid. Well, it's okay because baseball is kind of a smart person sport anyway. Yeah, you know. But uh, anyway, so because there's so much, there's so much statistics and everything like that. If you actually went down and did all the. Uh, mm-hmm math and everything like that you should be able to be uh get a little bit you know i mean everything's it's more gonna, for yeah every sport has a technical side to it um you're gonna have that intellectual approach where you get the pitcher and the cat or pitcher and the hitter they're trying to outguess each other uh, and you know you're, you're wanting to see okay the defense lined right is, is is my catcher and i are we on the same page um where are my base runners at if I'm up to bat? You know, where are the holes in the defense so I can try to poke the ball through there to push the runners up 90 feet or get them across home plate? You know, it's there's there's so much going on outside of just what the, the, the visual aesthetic of the game is. I mean, it's like we were talking about uh, a couple of weeks ago about racing. Uh, there's, there's more than just driving fast and turning left. There's so much more on the technical side because these guys have engineering degrees. And a lot of the guys that play this game, I mean, they're they're. I mean, most of them, most of them went to college and played college ball. Um, uh, but but everybody, almost to a man, will you know acknowledge that more and more nowadays, everything's about the launch angles. So it's all about trajectory. It's all about you know angle of launch. It's all about exit velocity. And and I mean, me, I think that the, the launch angle era of baseball is really going to kind of be a detriment to the game. I think we just need to get back to being more of a hitter as opposed to a slugger because, I mean, we're, we're living in the era of the home run. So, and I think that, I think that the game will police itself over the natural progression of time versus instituting rules that are going to hurt the game more than it is going to help. Um, like there's a theory that there's a, a a supply of dead balls circulating amongst the major league teams that are you know that that are being used in games. 
uh, dead balls is a, you know, you smack the crap out of it, but it's not going to go anywhere kind of a thing. I mean, you can hit a big long Oh, they have cons- uh, c- conf- uh, conspiracy theories for almost anything yeah. nowadays. Yeah, uh, blind I mean, helicopters are uh, in abundant supply. Birds aren't real. Yes, yes, they are. They are. Uh, they're drones that are. They're drones. Every yes. every once in a while, they have to come in, <laughs> right. and uh, they have to recharge them and everything. I don't know where the port is or anything, or if they actually have batteries or anything. But no, I've actually seen a couple of these birds. Right. Yeah. But uh, all that aside, um, uh, the draft. draft yeah, was last I was going to say. Yeah. We... Oh, and uh, Kentucky Derby was this weekend too. Yeah. Um, and they opened everything up with that too. The I mean, that's owner more... of the horse has now won seven Kentucky Derbies. Oh, wow. And his entry had 12 to 1 odds. And I'm sitting there going, I had completely forgotten about it because I had planned on betting on the on the Kentucky Derby this year. <laughs> and uh, I was like, man, you know, 12 to 1. I mean, even though it's kind of a long shot, I mean, it's like, that's still a pretty safe bet. You know, because even if the horse had finished like third, you still would have finished in the money. Yeah. So you would I mean, still get a little bit of it. You still would have, yeah. I mean, but I mean, just I mean, dude, the, the the people that bet on that horse and that horse alone, I mean, they cleaned up. Yeah, uh, there was a guy on a podcast that do the uh, they do the sports show with Dawson and I listen to him, mm-hmm. and uh, they he's like, I spent probably around about uh, I don't know what happened. I don't either. I'm still I'm still. Really going strong, so yeah. There we go. See, yeah. Uh, no, he. I think he. He put down like uh, three hundred dollars and made four thousand. See, to me, yeah, you know. So, yeah, but and I, it was, I, I it was almost forgot, a sure win. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about the about about the derby, and I was like, oh crap! And then when I realized, I was like, oh, it's today. I was like, oh. Crap, you know. So I mean, I'm sitting there trying to find these like online, you know, on, uh, online betting pages, and I'm, and by the time I, I remembered that it was running, like all all of the uh, all of the sites had already closed up. You know, they'd already they'd already closed uh, the betting for for that for the, for the Derby, and I'm like, oh crap, you know. And I don't know enough about horse racing to do anything can you know conservatively beneficial or destructive i mean i think i would be doing more harm to myself in my pocketbook than anything else but yeah but yeah but the 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 2021 draft um there were actually a few surprises um remember i had said that the one uh, the one thing that was supposed to have gone to the 49ers remember when yeah well he he slid he slid back to the 15th pick and i think it was the 15th pick but who was it? Uh, Mac Jones. Yeah, he went to the. He went to the. Pa- yeah, he went to the Patriots. Yeah, and yeah, that was another thing that based, a lot of people yeah, based on that pick alone, on this pick alone, a lot of the draft experts and a lot of a lot of the analysts and the pundits are are saying that New England basically won the draft this year, and uh, well, not I mean, even that. There was a lot of uh, people that. Uh, uh, Picked quarterbacks. It was a quarterback. Everybody wanted a, a new quarterback for some reason. Yeah, it marks the third time that the first three picks uh, were quarterbacks. Uh, that was seventy nine or seventy one and ninety nine drafts. But a total of eight quarterbacks were selected in the first three rounds, and that was the most in draft history. Um, in addition to the number of quarterbacks, six players from Alabama were taken in the first round. 
Um, this tied with the the six Miami players that were taken at 04, which is the first uh, the most first round selections uh, from an individual school. No Big Twelve conference players were drafted uh, for the first time in the first uh, in uh, in the first round for the first time since '94 when the Big Twelve was created. Um, Michigan State did not have a player selected breaking an 80-year streak. Um, well, the big, the big one, I'm, and I might get this wrong. If someone just message me or something like that, if I get that, uh, get this totally wrong. Uh, I guess the number one draft. It, there is one big upset. Is like uh, people were just like, no, it was it was Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence. People were upset at that because one, he really didn't play football. In college, and he didn't play like the last season, and he only played like a couple of. It, it, no, no, Trevor, it, Trevor Lawrence, he, he was the starting quarterback from Clemson, and he played the last few years. I mean, I, I think he played it all four. Well, yeah, I think he played the four years in Cle, at Clemson, but he. He did well at his pro day. He did well at the combine. Um, and actually, no, I don't even think he did the combine. But anyways, I, that's not the point. But it, it was considered, this year's draft was considered to be very talent poor as a result of the reduced 2020 schedule. Um, I mean, for Okay, for yeah, he only played three seasons. And the last season, uh, he didn't uh, play that much, it looks like. Because I know, I know he had COVID, like halfway through the season, and he could yeah, play. and then he came back and he played in the playoffs, yeah. whatever. But. Okay, then uh, that is the guy that I'm uh, I'm thinking of. Yeah, because there's a lot of people that are like professional sports fans and everything, and they do show. And, and this was an outrage. Yeah, but I mean, them. you look at some of these guys like Justin Fields, um, Zach Wilson. I think Trey Lance. Oh. There was a lot of guys that got selected in the first round. They opted out from last year. They didn't even play last year. Yeah. So the last sample that we've got for these players in full in full pads at full speed, game time conditions, is a year ago. Was from 2019. Yeah. And so I mean, but you get these these guys going in the first round, and it's like really, I mean, not to take away from them, not to take away from the moment that they've got that they they got to share with their families. These guys, they, they didn't play last year. Well, so not even that. You know, why didn't you want to declare for the draft last year? You know, but yeah, and and but the thing is, is not even that. Uh, I have not seen, and, and this is this is from a person that's uh, sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, that just you know briefly looks at this stuff and looks at the statistics because people want to have a conversation. I'll talk about anything. Right, and. Most of the number one draft picks, mm-hmm. no matter who it is, is a lemon. Well, I mean, and uh, that that uh, very very it's like uh, hitting a lottery uh, scratcher. I mean, you you scratch it off. You might win a dollar. You might not. But most of the time, the number one draft pick. Very. I mean, if you look and consider, and a lot of that, and a lot of that, and, and to play devil advocate to your point. A lot of the reason why the number one pick either hits or misses is because they get drafted. I mean, literally to be the number one pick, unless you trade up to get to the number one pick, the number one pick is the worst team from the previous year. 
Yeah. Okay. So then and, and that's why Cleveland for the longest time they were the running joke of the NFL because they they would draft star quarterback after star quarterback after star quarterback. Um uh, and these people just floundered. Yeah, you didn't in Cleveland because they didn't have one an offensive line playing around them too. They didn't have any offensive weapons to throw to. And and it's like okay, what am I supposed to do? And you have, you see a lot of guys, they either go to the New York Jets and just have a miserable experience in the NFL. They go to the Cleveland Browns, and well, Cleveland being what Cleveland used to be at least before um, Jeremy Mayfield got there or uh, Baker Mayfield, um, he. He he kind of changed the lexicon in in Cleveland a little bit there, because he came in there with a with a he, he knew he was like okay look I know it's Cleveland but we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fix this, and he brought an intensity to the to the locker room. I mean he a lot of guys yeah he's a hothead and he says some sometimes some no advice shit but I I think that um, you know he he changed the way that players viewed the organization, or at least they, the, the way that they viewed playing in Cleveland. Um, because where, like, okay, so kind of to make like a baseball reference here, a lot of these past their prime, yeah, I'm still a big name, but kind of players, New York, the Yankees will come in, they'll sweep them up, and they'll, you know, kind of make their image over again because they got to be clean-shaven, and all of a sudden now I'm playing in pinstripes. and Oh, I've found a new life, a lease on life. And you'll, you'll find these players that, that, you know, you really think that they've kind of played past their prime. They play their that first year that they play in New York, they kind of, it's like a little bit of a resurgence, but that's about it. You, you know, you'll, you'll I think Mayfield brought that, to Cleveland, he he kind of brought a sense of pride back to the organization. The fans have always been there. The, the, I mean, God love them. The fans in Cleveland are the quintessential whipping children of, yeah. of the NFL, uh, or even in the sporting world for that matter, with the exception of the Cavaliers and LeBron James. I mean, the, these people in Cleveland have not experienced an actual championship since, like, I think the 50s. So I'm curious about that. I think it was like 53 or 58. I cannot remember. Don't get me wrong. Because, I mean, it – because I know that when the Indians went to the World Series in 2016 and it gets all the way to a game seven and they end up losing to the Cubs, I mean, the people in Cleveland were absolutely shattered because they were like they were this, this close to winning a World Series. And then Raldis Chapman happened. But you know, I digress. So, um, oh, wow. Hold on, real quick. One champion. <coughs> I'm trying to. I'm not seeing. Okay, there we go. Uh, last time they actually went, they lost in the wild card in 2002. But they've actually gone. Let's see. You said fifty. Now it can't be the fifties. They didn't start up until nineteen sixty. Well, no, because it was uh, there was a. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, gotcha. it was like an AFL team or something. Nineteen sixty four. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was so long ago. Anyways, so back to the draft. So we knew that the Niners were going to move up, but they surprised, kind of surprised everybody. Instead of taking um, uh, Mac Jones from Alabama, they took Trey Lance from North Dakota State. So for whatever reason, they thought, okay, well, this guy is going to fit into our system. That really surprised everybody, you know, and there there was a lot of surprises on there this was. draft. There um, was, and when the the Falcons, I, I, I'm trying to remember if the Falcons traded up or whatever, but when they they, they got Kyle Pitts, that tight end from from Florida, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Cincinnati. I mean, they've already got Cincinnati's already got a quarterback in in. Um, Think of his name off the top of my head. Um, they drafted him two years ago out of LSU uh, after LSU won their championship. I cannot remember the kid's name, and that's really going to upset me. But anyway, so they went out and they what drafted is it? Uh, Cincinnati. I'm, I'm Why trying can to I not think of his name. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to find it. You can really tell that I've done my homework today. Uh, let me see here. Well, I had the stuff uh, up just because. Uh, here, let me send you the website I'm on right now. Sometimes you have good ones. There you go. Joe Burrow. That's the yeah. website I'm on right now. Yeah, Joe Burrow. That's that's who I was thinking of. Well, I've got the NFL app on my phone too. Oh, so. okay. But um, they they go out and they get themselves a wide receiver uh, from LSU. So I mean, there's going to be a degree of of uh, um, familiarity with Joe Burrow and his new wide receiver. Uh, so, I mean, they, they both come from the same alum. And, so, I mean, there's there's going to be some of that uh, instant, like, connection, that chemistry that's going to be there. I wonder if these grades are actually the actual grade of the player or the grades they got in school. No, it's it's <laughs> it's the grade that they're, they're they're assigning grades to the teams that drafted them. It's like okay, so based uh, on this pick, how did we do here from from A to, to A to F? Because the Los Angeles uh, Las Vegas Raiders uh, got a grade of C. Yeah, Alex Leatherwood uh, would. Uh, the, the 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 Raiders traditionally, I mean, the last few years they have not been real. I don't want to use the they word They haven't been really but, good for a while. Well, it's not so much that. I mean, they, they, they scrap together the pieces from the league that nobody else wants, and they try to build a team around it, and that's fine. That's great. That's good. As long as you can get these guys that you signed to buy into your system, you can do anything you want. Well, but as far uh, as, like, the draft is concerned, I mean, the, the Raiders, they finish about the middle of the pack every year. So you're, you're, you either need to tank a year or you just need to go out and spend the money to sign the free agents that are going to get you to that championship level. But they finish in the middle every year, so it's not I mean you're getting you're not getting the best draft picks to begin with, so it's not like you can really build your system. And and, and that's the problem with finishing in the middle every year. It's like you you just kind of you're not quite there, but you're not complete crap at the same time. Well, they got a A plus for uh, getting a safety, for, uh, Trevor Morning. Yeah. Morning? Now, Morning? something of note too is that the Dallas Cowboys, for the very first time ever in franchise history, did nothing but select defensive picks. Well, they got a good offense. They don't have a good defense. Well, yeah, true. Now, to that extent, 
anybody who's ever been a Cowboys fan or is anybody who's ever watched football, even even in passing, especially around these parts, I mean, it's it's you you, you Cowboys, you know. It's a, yeah, yeah, I can't get away from it. That's the reason why I know so much about the Cowboys. Right. Know that Jimmy Jimmy Jones or Jimmy Jones. Go with it, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones. Sorry, um, I was thinking racing for a second, but Jerry Jones. <laughs> uh, he can't get out of his own way. He's like, well, I'm the owner and the general manager. No, dude, you need to let your coaching staff pick the players. You need to let your your, he, your operations managers yeah. pick these players. You need to you need to be hands off. I mean. Great. I mean, I'm, he's got a well, great. Well, look at Nolan I mean, he, Ryan. I mean, he does. He he uh, does. He still own the uh, uh, Texas Rangers? No, he got he he got forced out by John Daniels, the general manager of the Rangers. Okay. They they basically just had Nolan Ryan come on and sign on to the ownership group as a way to win the bid from Major League Baseball. Um. So they 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 wanted him in name only, and when he tried to interject and say, "Hey, look, I used to play for this organization." I am a ball player at heart. Here's what I think needs to happen. John Daniels had this other, you know, had this had, had this, these other ideas and forced him out. Now Nolan Ryan, uh, last time I heard, he is a um, consultant for the Astros organization because he, he he moved back to Alvin, Texas, where he's from, and that's down there in South Texas around the Houston area. Anyway. Um, but anyway, so you know, so the Cowboys for the first time in franchise history, and, and I think they really set a draft record. Uh, every one of their picks was a was a defensive player. Uh, most notably in the first round was Micah Parsons from Penn State. Um, you know, it, uh, he's a uh, he's a linebacker, so he's going to immediately try to fill that hole that Sean Lee left whenever he retired, uh, just before he announced his retirement, just before this year's draft. So I think a lot of that was, I, I think a lot of the, you know, like the, the holes that we've got in our defense and plus the fact that Sean Lee goes out and retires after like a 12 or 15 year, I think it was a 12 year career. He spent every year in the NFL with the Cowboys. So he retired, he came up as a Cowboy, he retired as a Cowboy. Great. Good on you. Um, I, uh, sorry to stop you. No, go but, ahead. <laughs> well, I knew he was a rancher. And everything like that. But, uh, okay. If you're going to make a joke about Nolan Ryan's beef. Yeah, I found the website. Yeah. It's yeah. not a joke. I, I'm not I know. doing a joke. But I know. I'm... I know. Because, like, okay, so he used to, whenever, like, it used to be, like, a few years ago, every time a Rangers pitcher got a strikeout at home, he struck out another batter, they would have this Nolan Ryan's beef K counter that go across the little jumbotron that they'd had there. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you, you you can insert your joke here. It's like, okay, you've become another victim of Nolan Ryan's beef. And it's like, um, Nolan Ryan's beef was, used to be the supplier for hot dogs at the ballpark. Actually, no, it's still, it's, uh, well, it's still, uh, yeah, it, it still but it's is, Houston. But, but, I mean, they, they serve Nolan Ryan beef at in Arlington as well. But Okay. And uh, 
you know, you, I mean, you'd always hear those jokes, kind of be like, "Yeah, I want some of Nolan Ryan's beef right here," you know, like, "Give me, give me, give me one of Nolan Ryan's wieners." And, yeah, I mean, you'd hear those jokes all the time, okay. and it's like you could really tell that. I mean, you, yeah, as soon as I knew you were, I wasn't I, trying to make the joke. I was I like, can, "Oh, okay," I you can, know. Your microphone's working really well because I heard the gears turning. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I gotta turn this down a little bit more. <laughs> but. Because I'm, okay, I'm still going into yellow way too much. There we go. All right. But, uh, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, the um, there we go. the Ravens, if I'm not mistaken, let me see here. The Ravens, they really, they had, uh, let me see here. I'm trying to find the Ravens. One, I wish two. I had this uh, thing that I used to have on my old computer that I could just find stuff on the page that I was at, and I just yeah. type it in. The Ravens had like two picks there towards the end of the first round. Uh, the Jets had two picks. They had one. They had two, uh, second draft, and they yeah they no they had two but they had two picks during the first round. Yeah. Um, now the from is they they drafted this from the Eagles because that was another thing that I was kind of uh, kind of weirded about is they can draft from other teams. Well, no, you're trading draft picks. Oh, okay, okay, okay. yeah. So I mean, like, um, let me try to think here. Let me see. Um, you said the Ravens. Yeah, um, the Eagles traded. I think it was. I mean, they, they traded up from the, the Cowboys, I guess the Cowboys, and uh, I think the Cowboys were supposed to draft later. Okay, I got in it. The round. Uh, and, and, I mean, you, you see a lot of these, like, multiple team trades going on. Like, like okay, just hypothetically speaking here. So it's like, okay, so Dallas will get a player that they want from – like, say, San Francisco, but Dallas had to give up two second-round picks or, you know, they, they you know like the 2021 and maybe the 2022 draft picks for the second round. And then what San Francisco would do is they would take those two draft picks and they would that would be considered what was called draft pick or draft capital, okay? And they would use that to entice another team. So, like, if San Francisco – Let's just say that they were scheduled to, to draft like 16th in the round or 17th in the round of the first round. But they really wanted to go out and get a new quarterback, but they knew in order to do that they had to get up there at the, first, at the top like top five picks. So let's just say that they went to Houston and said, hey, we are going to give you these two draft picks for the second round, for one for this year to next year plus cash or plus a player or something like that. Okay. And so you bring that third team into the fold. And so in order for people to understand how San Francisco got up to the third pick, like, for example, this year, there was a three-way, tie, or a three-way deal between Miami, Houston, and, and San Francisco for San Francisco to, to get up there that high. Now, um, now you're saying the Baltimore Ravens, uh, uh, Bateman. Were you talking about Bateman, the uh, wide receiver? Yeah, uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, yeah, he he was a. He, I think he was a pretty good pick. Um, the hell now through edge? a defensive edge. Uh, oh, okay. They're, they're going to be the guys that that are out there 
the speed rushers on the edge of the def uh, defensive line. They're the ones that are going to try to get around the outside tackles to, or the tight ends to try to sack the quarterback. Okay. I mean, it's their job to get around the edge of the offensive line to try to get an unimpeded path to the quarterback or the running back, depending on who's back there, to try to you know to try to create a loss on the play. So every day. Um, Baltimore, they went out, and if you if you look at what Baltimore has done in just in free agency before the draft, because they got a they also got an edge to. Uh... Right, but as far as like offensively speaking, Baltimore's going to have a scary offensive line next year. So I mean, Lamar Jackson, their quarterback, he he's he's one of these like two dimensional players where he can pass as a pocket passer and he can also run. Okay, and he can create missed tackles, um, just just by the way that he moves and his agility and it's just pure athletic skill. Um, putting this type of offensive line that they've got that they were able to build. Uh, it includes uh, a lot of like their core guys, and then they went out and got some like veteran pieces from some of these other teams, and signed them to free agency deals. So they're going to have a good offensive line. But they when they go out and they they draft this Rashad Bateman, who's a, a, a he was a decent, a really good uh, wide receiver from Minnesota. So um, I think that overall, I think the the Ravens they they go out and. Uh, let's see, what was Bateman rated at here? Hold on, let me look. Uh, yeah, Rashad Bateman was a – they gave him – yeah, they gave him an, an A grade on that. Um, they needed to continue to upgrade its wide receiver core to, to you know, to support Lamar Jackson. And, uh, you know, they, they, they went out and they made a couple free agency signings, but the draft is really kind of where you, you're going you're gonna to find that talent that you're going to bring in from the college game, introduce them to the professional level, and develop that particular individual to play in your system, your style of system play. Um, coupled with the quarterback that, I mean, if Lamar Jackson goes anywhere besides Baltimore, uh, the people of Baltimore need to really kind of storm the front office, you know, storm the headquarters of the other Ravens and, and demand we're gonna get manager. canceled if you do if you say that. So just oh no 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 no, no. I'm, not, I'm not encouraging. Now, <laughs> funny funny enough, there's a uh, a Twitter account that I follow. Um, her name's Ashlyn. Uh, she's a Braves fan, but she's really just kind of a baseball person. So it, it, I follow her for the baseball content. But um, <coughs> it, somebody had tweeted out. Uh, you know, if, like if you're over the age of 15 and you still own jerseys and wear them to games, you need to put put away the video games and, and re reevaluate your life. And uh, she she replies with a picture of herself in one of her Braves jerseys. She's like, um, what? And I was like, yeah. So I took a picture of my me and my two boys at the ballpark uh, at Globe Life on from Sunday, and I was like, yeah, fuck this guy. I love my jerseys, and I wasn't attacking him at all. And this guy, he sits there and he copies and repay, you know, retweets my tweet on his timeline with a uh, another imp uh, privileged white male attacking me for my opinion. I bet he's a Trumper. And I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? And then he replies to me directly in the thread. And he's like, hey, shouldn't you be storming the Capitol instead of attacking my opinions on Twitter? And I was just like... Uh, let me see if I can find my tweet here. Real oh quick. my god! Am I gonna have to put this on Facebook? No, you're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you do that. I'll I'll do it. Yeah. I love the troll. Yeah. So he goes, "Hey man, shouldn't you be storming a capital instead of attacking my opinions on Twitter?" Yikes! 
And I was like, yep. Snap that, snapshot uh, I was like, that yep, you're man. a keeper, man. Whew, you and that clever brain of yours, you're too much, too much awesomeness there, man. I surrender. And I gave that little eye roll emoji at the end. And I was just like, really, you know, I don't have time. Nor yeah. the desire to engage in a battle of wits with an unarmed person. You know, and... That's like beating up a mentally challenged person. Well, I no. Mean, everybody's going to look down on you. Aside from the obvious, let's just not go there on that comment there. <laughs> uh, you know, it... it... <laughs> just next, like... next time, just give him his blankie back, okay? You know, you know, in hindsight, I probably shouldn't have just said, fuck that guy. I should have been like, you know, don't listen to him. I like my jerseys, too. Or just not even addressed him. Just been like, I happen to be a fan of my jerseys. You know? Well, it's like that whole but thing it, but that it's happened the whole... last week with LeBron James. But yeah, I mean... but it, it's the whole... And this is a white guy that said, hey, there's another white male attacking me for my opinion. But it's like... Why do you one have to make it he racial? He probably he doesn't he he probably identifies as uh, well. It, it's it's why one why do you have to make it racial, and two why do you have to politicize everything? Yeah, you know the fact that I'm white well, and that's a the male thing that do, doesn't mean that I'm a Trumper. It's like yes, I voted for Trump. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shy away from that, but that doesn't make me a racist. And by the way, at the risk of kind of jumping wildly off track. Neither is Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, I mean, because the African-American community never had a problem with him when he was being invited to their NC, uh, NACB, you know, I mean, Sharpton, Jackson. As soon as he was voted in, a lot of people actually... As soon as he announced that he was going to run as a Republican, all of a sudden now he's a racist. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's it's so disingenuous and... And, and people just, they, they don't bother to look stuff up. They just assume, and then they regurgitate the talking points of the, the, the party that they voted for. And it's like, okay, back to the draft. Anyways, back to the draft. Yeah, thank <laughs> yeah, you for we, saving that. <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to have to do that every once in a while. I'm just going to have to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, so, but uh, the, the, the Saints, the New England or New Orleans Saints, they, they go out and... What, Pat Turner? Another yeah. edge? Yeah, or, they, yeah. Because I'm Peyton really Turner, down to Peyton Turner. Peyton Turner. Okay. Yeah. So um, he was from the University of Houston. He now, was a B minus. Yeah. So everybody's like, oh, you know, why didn't they go out and get a new quarterback? Well, they've already got a quarterback. Yeah. Um. And you know, Drew Brees announced his retirement this year, and hey, rightfully so. Go out on your own terms. Uh, I don't think necessarily that his body's beat up. I just think that it's. He just he knew it was time, and because I mean I mean you're gonna amass all these stats and you're, and you're you're gonna I mean he's 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 already won the Super Bowl once with New uh, with New Orleans. He I, I believe he better was to Super go Bowl out as a de- decent player than a than the uh, yeah. What it's it's one of those uh, why is he still there? Why would they give him a Walker? Yeah, it, it's it's one of those uh, you know go out a hero or live long enough to become the villain. Don't. You know, and and I think, it, it, I think we started to see the writing on the wall there because uh, he had taken a very conservative stance towards. Um, I mean, especially during the, the early stages of the whole George Floyd thing, mm-hmm. uh, he took a very conservative stance on it, and he was lambasted by his team, by his teammates, and the 
court of public opinion. He was lambasted for his conservative stance on it. He had a very pro-police stance. Yeah. And he started getting criticized left and right. I mean, completely and totally raked over the coals by these, uh, and I hate using this term, but the woke crowd, um, both ESPN, talk radio, um, the, the fan base, the, the other players in the locker room. Uh, they just they just started throwing around terms like racist. And, and, and I'm like, look, he had an opinion. We don't sit there and criticize you for your opinion. You're entitled to it. Just make it sound educated, at least. You know, I mean, and 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 he didn't come out. I mean, it, it wasn't even an overtly racist comment. He was just like, "I support police," you know. And it's like, there's there's no reason why we you should. can't do that now. Yeah, it's one of those, it. is, especially yeah. if you're you're high up to where people will actually listening to you. Right, and that and that goes on both sides, honestly. It does because you'll have because you'll have people. I mean, I did. <laughs> I listen. I, I was listening to uh, God. What, it's Q. It's some kind of Q uh, right wing. Because mm -hmm. uh, I was listening to Time Suck, and they did Antifa and Q. Uh, Antifa, the far left wing, anti-fascist, but they're fascist, so it's weird. And you got the Qs, which are they believe that the Denver uh, airport is a portal to uh, hell. <laughs> I've heard that the Denver airport has massive, miles-long, like all maglev or monorail trains that go straight to Cheyenne Mountain. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard a lot of it. Too, yeah, so. it's. But the, you got it, you got it weirded on both sides. Now, is it entertaining? Yes. Is all the stuff that I, I read and listened to on these uh, on these guys real? Fuck no. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no way on that one that I'm ever gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna have a I'm gonna I'm gonna put them into a car and go hey why don't you come with me? No I'm gonna I'm gonna look and just eat my popcorn. Yeah. But but that's it. <coughs> I'm sending you that screenshot along with a, a lot of the pictures from from Sunday too. So okay. But um, but you'll have on a lot of these picks. I mean, some of them, a lot of them were. Uh, I'll, I'll say this again: they were really, really upset to the point they were, they were. You know, that thought of burning down the place was very high, or beating up their grandmother. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because, like, you okay, you'll see these fans. The or their grandmother beating up their. Yeah, child, I mean, the, the, you'll see these fans for the all of the teams. You know, all thirty-two teams. They, they, you know, they, they're they, called super fans. Well, just fans in general, super fans, fans. Pat. Well, you got you got the Anyways, regular fans. You got the regular fans, yeah, and then you so, got the super fans that just. I mean, when they hear something like that, they have to buy a new TV because they threw something at it. Those are just children, but anyways, I. And that's even giving kids with a bad temper a bad name. But anyways, so... I can't say yeah, it because well, I don't want to okay, edit so, it, man. Well, no, because here's the thing. Yeah, when the Red Sox lose, am I happy about it? No. But am I going to go punch a hole through my wall or am I going to throw crap at my TV? No. I'm going to grouse about it for a few minutes and then I'm going to move on. Because why does it over... Does, 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 does the Red Sox winning or losing ultimately affect the way that I live my life? No. So... 
should should the you know should the should the for my dad it did for a while. Well, you know, <laughs> but here's the thing: <coughs> if you let professional sports affect your life to that extent, it's like these people that talk about. Well, I don't like the way that baseball's going, so I'm not ever going to watch baseball ever again. You're full of shit. Yeah. You know, and it, or or you get these people that, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bag on NASCAR for a second. Not necessarily the fans. Well, the fans to an extent, but when NASCAR came out and they said, "Well, we're gonna ban the Confederate flag," oh, well, that's cute. You know. Fine, whatever. They've been trying to do it for years. They just used Bubba Wallace and this Black Lives Matter movement as as kind of a their way to finally get it done. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. How, you know, and you get to, you get all these absolute. Um, we've been watching this thing since they were running on the sand at Daytona. They, you get these fans that are from the deep, deep, deep south, and I mean, you see stock footage from from the you know of of you know, races, and you see the, the campers and shit in the infield, you see a Confederate flag, probably every other camper. Yeah. Does that make us a racist bunch of white rednecks? Absolutely not. I mean, the Confederate flag, the stars and bars that they're referring to, was just a battle flag. I mean, it wasn't the actual flag of the Confederate States. A lot of these people are like, look, you know, it's it's about heritage, not hate, and you know, that 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 rebuttal has been argued I and mean, has been shouted down so much over the course of the years that you know, I mean, at it's some, like that at some guy point, in the in the white robes uh, burning a tea for tolerance in the front of a person's yard. Oh, I'm just gonna ignore you. <laughs> um, but Reno nine one one reference. Yeah, can't hate me. It was on a TV show. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, we, we, but over the draft, I mean, we, was like, what was it, like seven rounds? Yeah, it was like seven rounds. Seven was rounds. It seven rounds? Uh, seven All I rounds. Was like uh, three. Seven rounds, a total of 259 picks. Um, no, are every single one of these guys going to get Oh, signed? it's just the analysts from one to three. Yeah. So overall, all seven rounds, all two hundred and fifty nine picks overall. Um, are what was every the, what was what was your opinion on the best and the worst? I think the best probably. I think Mac Jones going to New England probably hands down that is going to be probably the best. Um, and here's the thing: I was listening to uh, Boston Talk Radio this morning. Uh, their their local uh, W E E I. They're the, the flagship affiliate for all the Red Sox games. So, I mean, I, I, I listen to them in the mornings from time to time on the uh, Odyssey app. Okay. Um, I was listening to some of them, and they were like, okay, so this Mac Jones. I mean, they're not completely sold on him, but the way that he is going to be viewed as far as, like, legacy is going to be concerned. I mean, he's got some big, big shoes to fill. Yeah. I mean, the people in New England uh, – as far as like, uh, I've seen the I've seen the, the fans. Some of the fans, I, most of the fans. I say they, like forty percent. Well, I mean, you got that. We'll you just got say fans shines. in general. But then you're going to have people that 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 are so they're Brady affiliated shines. with the the Patriots organization. They were like, okay, well, we're going to move on from Tom Brady like it's nothing. 
he really wasn't all that great. It was the system. It was Coach Belichick. And then Tom Brady goes out as a 43-year-old quarterback, goes out and wins a Super Bowl with another team that hadn't been to the Super Bowl since the 90s, you know, yeah. or, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, something like that. They hadn't been to the Super Bowl in, God, over 10, over 12 years. Yeah. So, and he did it with a completely different group of players who were just kind of there. And when he got there, be, he changed, would, he changed, would be, changed the, <clears throat> he changed the, 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 the he changed the lexicon in Tampa Bay. And people in New England were just kind of like, oh, God, we really let that go. Yeah. And instead of putting everything on Tom Brady's shoulders, we should have been helping him out by putting a system of weapons around him, building an offensive line, getting a defense that was worth mentioning. And that was another thing that a lot of uh, a lot of the stuff that when I was doing the research on just on the draft alone, yeah. they were saying is uh, sometimes you need to make you, you have a you got a good uh, good, good team. Yeah, but you want to pick to make it a great team, right? And so a lot of that is, you know, do it, it is New England done by by any stretch of imagination? No. Um, now, now are they going to learn from their mistakes? That's another question. <laughs> That's yet to be seen. Now, what I was hearing on Boston's radio, Boston Talk Radio this morning, sports radio this morning. Uh, specific w, or specifically WEEI, the measuring stick that they're going to use to du- judge as to whether or not the Mac Jones pick was a successful one, even if it's over the course of ten years. Okay, so he's in, you know so he gets to New England, he takes Cam Newton's job as the starting quarterback, which I think he will, um, because really. Yeah, while Cam Newton has flashes of brilliance as far as being a pocket passer, um, as far as being a mobile quarterback, yeah, he still has flashes of brilliance of his old, you know, of his of his younger days as the quarterback of Carolina. But do I think that he is still relevant? He can be relevant as a mentor. He can be relevant as maybe a backup quarterback later on. Do I think he's complete 100%? We're sticking with this guy as our starter material? Absolutely not. Uh, I think Mac Jones is going to be that guy that's going to step into Tom Brady's shoes. And while he may not be the best-fitting pair of shoes, he's going to make them his own. I mean, at some point, people are going to look at it and they're going to be like, well, Cam Newton was kind of an experiment. We were just waiting for Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is going to overall be successful. He's going to win games for New England. He's He's going to be in New England for a very long time. Um, but they're talking about the measuring stick that they're going to use, that, that, that the public basically is going to use to measure the success of that pick, and they're going to use as far as like the justification for that pick, even if it's over the course of 10 or 15 years. If he brings a Super Bowl trophy back to Foxborough, then, they're gonna, they're, then, then that pick will be considered justified and it will be considered a success. Um, yeah, because Boston fans is uh, one fa- one fan base you really don't want to upset. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> comparatively speaking to the New York fan base. Yeah, they, it's it's. I think the New England sports fan is harder on their players and their organizations exactly, yeah. than anybody else. Say again for the New York uh, fan base because the New York fan base they are fed and enabled by the New York media. 
Um, I've never seen like a little uh, baby bottle of uh, New York sports fans and everything. Like they actually have those. It's so cute. Yeah. And, and there was a photo of the, uh, the media feeding the uh, bo- bottle to the baby for uh, their sports fans. Right. Now, um, but I, I think as far as like, but it, as far as losers in the draft. I would almost, um, I would almost have to say, just because it's the Jets, and it, and it's I don't have anything against the Jets. I would like to see the Jets win more. I'd like this. I would like to see the the AFC East become more of a competitive division than it traditionally has been over the over the past fifteen, you know, fifteen years. Uh. Yeah, I mean, you're starting to see Buffalo become more of a prominent kind of. Hey, we're going to step up and take take ownership of this division. Um, I think more that, or less like uh, back in the '90s. Well, from I mean, since 2000, 2001 up till you know today, I mean, it's basically been the the, the New England Patriots division. Yeah. Okay. Um, Buffalo won the division last year. Um, now you could almost try, well, that was, that was the COVID season. Well, I, I think that the Buffalo's, you know, Buffalo's quarterback, he's going to have a lot to say about that because, I mean, they, they, he, he's gone in there and he has really helped turn that program around. He's, he's caused the Bill, or, you know, the Bills Mafia is what their, their fan base is called, the Bills Mafia. They've really started to believe in this team again. And I mean, they, he got them back to the playoffs, and you know I think that they're just missing just those just those few couple of pieces to really kind of bring everything together. And once they get those pieces, yeah, you're going to see some instant success. But I don't think it's going to be that that prolonged success that you're hoping for. I think that it's still going to take another season or two once those pieces arrive in Buffalo for everything to kind of really congeal. And uh, hold it, just give me. Is it already one o'clock? Yeah, Meals on Wheels. No, Meals on Wheels already came. Yeah, it's their uh, made. Let me assume the uh, position that I was looking at here so it doesn't look as. So, you know, I mean, aside from aside from the Jets, I mean, the Jets really had some solid picks, but I, I don't think there's going to be really anything. Okay, so their quarterback, the one that they drafted, Trey Lance, or not Trey Lance, but Zach Wilson, he's going to go in and he is going to see exactly what it is that people like Mark Sanchez and, uh, you know, some. Of, I mean, some of the other quarterbacks that have played in – New York for the Jets. They have just gone in there and they have not done well because the coaching staff lackluster, uh, and and that's that's being nice. The offensive line not giving any kind of protection. The, so it's one of those ones they should have like got instead of getting a quarterback, they should have gotten a defense. Well. No, uh, they need, they're going to need a quarterback because 
Sam Darnold, he's he's gone. He's gone. You have let that ship sail. Uh, and he has probably been irrevocably damaged and jaded about the game of football because of what he experienced as the quarterback of the New York Jets. Uh, the offensive weaponry around these quarterbacks I would re- <coughs> is he, horrible. Then he's one of the people that I'd really want to interview. Yeah, Zach Wilson. I mean, yeah, I mean, I would let and, and you or know not, that not Zach Wilson, but Sam uh, Darlin. Sam Sam Darnell. Yeah, I mean, he. Yeah, I mean, I would love to be able to get some of these professional athletes to come in on our little piddly ass, you know, podcast and just kind of be like, hey. Um, well, some of it we can just zoom and everything like that. That's the new thing. Or, yeah, uh, it, yeah, Sky, the same. But the work work around all that stuff. But right. Um. Let me see here. Because I've always I've always wondered on stuff that if you're in a, uh, it's more or less like psychological stuff that I'm wondering, like uh, uh, what happens when a person is uh, that was supposed to be like or is actually a high end player and everything like that, and they're in a toxic environment to the point, and this is this is going on like anybody and everything like that. They're in a toxic environment. Yeah. To where everybody hates them, you got all this negativity and everything. Are you going to be the type of person to go in and go above it, or, <clears throat> or are you going to just like succumb to the darkness and just get you? It's basically a self self prophecy that you suck because they're telling me I suck, and then you get out of that. Are you and you're still like a one. Yeah, and I mean, but I mean, the NFL is. I mean, ultimately, it is a superstar-driven league. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're going to get Roger Goodell, but it's going to. He's going to be out there, and he's constantly going to be micromanaging. And for whatever reason, the ownership group still seems to think that this guy is what's best for the NFL, and they're going to continue to, you know, they're going to extend him as the commissioner of football and. I mean, well, that's a lot of things. Even if you go into life in general, a a person like on paper uh, looks good, but you're still taking that gamble to where that person might be good on paperwork. But if you actually talk, that's why if if I ever get like, if we ever get like super big, we actually have to hire and everything like that. I'm, I'm talking to their friends and stuff like that. I don't, I don't trust paperwork. I don't trust, I trust people. Yeah. Well, well you know, okay, I trust so, people to an extent. Yeah. Just now, that. going off of what I said just a minute ago about how the, the league is really more of a superstar-driven entity now, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, big news out of, out of Green Bay. I mean, he very, very disgruntled with the organization. Um, Terry Bradshaw had some really hot takes on it. Um, now, Terry Bradshaw, for those of you who don't know, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, used to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's now uh, uh, an analyst, a longtime analyst for, for Fox Sports or the NFL and Fox. Um, he, he, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers is just, he just, yeah, he, he's he's not happy um, for whatever reason. Uh, he, I mean, he, he's, a lot of the opinion is, is that he's been out of shape about a draft pick from last year. Because uh, the, the 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 Packers drafted a quarterback really high in the draft without telling Aaron Rodgers about it, 
and Aaron Rodgers took that as a as an as an attack on him, like okay, well they're just replay, you know, drafting his replacement, um, and then now he's like, well, I'm not going to come back to the team unless the general manager is fired. And there's so much misinformation being passed around. Well, I say misinformation. There's so much information being passed out. It's really kind of hard to keep up with what's real and what's not. Um, uh, Brett Favre, who Hall of Fame quarterback, used to play for the for the Packers, uh, came out not too long ago. I think earlier today, uh, he was on um, uh, uh, ESPN Wisconsin's radio. Uh, there's a show, uh, Wild and Tausch. Um, Detailed a text conversation with Rodgers and made comparison to his own de departure from the team back in 2008. I said, uh, he said, quote, boy, it's a good question. Uh, that's the million-dollar question. Uh, Favre said during a 45-minute interview on the show, he says, I think I know Aaron fairly well, and honestly, I just don't see him coming back and just saying, all right, let's just bury the hatchet. Whatever caused the rift, and I'm not going to, you know, or, you know, bury the hatchet, whatever caused the rift. And I'm just going to come back and play because I love the guys. I love the Green Bay fans. I assume he does. But his rift isn't with the fans or the players. It's with the front office. Will he just swallow his pride and come in? Maybe, but I don't see that happening. Um, he went on to say, if there is a trade, if there's not a trade, my gut tells me that he'd rather sit out than play. But that's just my gut. There's no reason for me to say that other than that's what my gut's telling me. And I think you guys know Aaron fairly well enough to. Uh, I think I know. I think you guys know Aaron fairly well enough to sort, to sort of feel the same way. Um, he likened it to how Barry Sanders walked away from the Detroit Lions shortly before the '99 season. Yeah. Uh, he later on went on to say that uh, Favre, and this is uh, this source is from ESPN.com too, by the way. So. Um, Favre said he texted Rogers, as, uh, Rogers last Thursday, shortly after ESPN's uh, Adam Schefter reported that Rogers had told some in the Packers organization that he no longer wants to play for the team that drafted him in 05 and ultimately, or to ultimately replace Favre in 08. And he joked that he asked Rogers if he was going to play for the New Orleans Saints this year, referring to the uh, team that Favre grew up watching in Mississippi. He said Rogers replied by saying he didn't think that he was going to, uh, that it was going to happen, but he added, thanks for checking on me. I'll touch base with you after all this is over. And that was it, Favre added. We haven't talked since. Uh, Favre said he would be willing to talk through things with Rodgers and offer his perspective on how things ended in Green Bay for him. There are differences, though. Favre noted the primary one being that the team wanted a decision from Favre on whether he planned to play in 2008 and at the time, Favre wasn't ready to commit, so he hastily retired. Ultimately, Favre changed his mind, and he wanted to return to the Packers, but by then they had moved on uh, to, to, to Rodgers. Um, the team then traded Favre to the New York Jets, and then he played there for one year before two seasons with the um, Minnesota Vikings. And he hopes things end differently for Rodgers because being the quarterback for the, the Green Bay Packers, it's, it's on that level of deity or, you know, um, idolatry that you find with Cowboys fans revering their quarterback. Yeah, because they really don't have that much of a team in that area, and that's what they pretty much well, go to. What, what makes the Packers unique is that they are a publicly owned team. Mm -hmm. And getting season tickets for, the, for, for Lambeau Field, 
is almost impossible. It's like these tickets are passed down from generation to generation. Really? Yeah. Um, uh, people that live in Green Bay, they are given the chance to buy a buy a share in the team. So the people that own shares in the team are you the ones that get the first picks at season tickets. Um, but uh, now Favre went on to say, I'd like to see him win a Super Bowl in Green Bay, another one. Because, I mean, Green Bay, they won their Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers when the Super Bowl was here in North Texas, down in Dallas. Uh-huh. Um, but he said, the, the thing is, life's too short. I want him to be happy. He's been there as long as I was there. And I, and I know what that means, but he's put, up with unbelie- he's put up unbelievable numbers. Win another Super Bowl, then do what you want to do. Whether it's to keep playing, play somewhere else, whatever. But win one more in Green Bay and then go out the way you want to go out. You don't want to go out this way, whether it's to sit out or play somewhere else. The interview can concluded with one final pessimistic line from Favre. He said, quote, it's going to be interesting to, or interest, it's going to be interesting what takes place here between now and the start of camp, end quote. Favre went on to say, but right now I'm not very optimistic. So he's in that stage right now to where he, he really doesn't want to be there. Yeah. And you almost kind of want to look at it like he's being an over-entitled crybaby. Um, and and that and maybe that, maybe and that. but 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 maybe that isn't even the case. Maybe it's not. He's over crying, crybaby. Maybe, I mean, you can look. It's one of those situations that unless you're there, you can't really know anything about. Uh, it it could actually be that there's a problem there, and unless you're, th- and this is just saying that you know. I don't personally know the guy. Yeah. I mean, it could be he's just a spoiled little brat. Yeah. But I haven't heard anything from him to suggest that he is uh, a spoiled little brat. I mean, how many times have you heard Aaron Rodgers uh, go out and say, because I watch the news and everything, the sports news and everything like that, you don't hear anything from the guy. Yeah. So if you don't hear anything from the guy, and now he has a problem, either A, it set into a little box, and it just festered and everything like that, yeah. and blew up finally. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of, kind of, I guess it kind of helps us a little bit, the, you know, because we're a day late filming this episode. So, uh, this story with Aaron Rodgers really didn't blow up until yesterday. Oh yeah. And so, uh, Terry Bradshaw, like I told you, he had some hot takes on it, man, and he's been trending on Twitter. And so, um, and, <laughs> and uh, on Pro Football Talk on NBC Sports, their website. Uh, says, Terry Bradshaw was trending on Twitter today. Fortunately, it wasn't because he'd finally done what he'd supposedly done in 2007. Bradshaw continued his assault against quarter, uh, Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers during an appearance on the Colin Cowherd show, which is a uh, it's an NBC show, or no, I mean, uh, ESPN show. Yeah. Uh, among other things, Bradshaw said, Rodgers has probably the worst footwork I'd ever seen for a starting quarterback. Frankly, that doesn't or simply doesn't matter. If the quarterback is delivering the ball accurately, Patrick Mahomes has bad footwork too. But he's already done one of the he's already one of the greatest players in league history. Um, more interesting to, or intriguing topic came from Bradshaw's comments about Rogers' contract. Um, it, 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 let me see here. Um, I'm trying to find some of the quotes uh, that Bradshaw had made about. see here well while you find that uh there is actually news from uh last when was 
yeah, last uh, Friday, uh, Tim Tebow uh, worked out a thing for the Jaguars. Yes, uh, he's going to make the transition from quarterback to tight end, and I think yeah. that that's going to be a better fit for him. He retired from baseball officially, which is fine. Great, hey, whatever. I can't fault the guy. I really don't. I mean, get out there, chase your dreams, do what you do, what makes you happy. Yeah. Because Tim Tebow, um, I, you know I, what? I like, you really personally, can't... I like the guy. I love the guy to death because, I mean, he stands up for his convictions. He has not wavered in yeah. his message. That's that's one thing. He um, gets, you know, we, we get these guys kneeling for the national anthem. And, 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 and he kneels, but he doesn't kneel for the national anthem. He kneels for his. He stands for the national anthem. Yeah. He stands for the flag, but he kneels for the cross. And he, and he unabashedly put his faith on display on the sidelines on national TV. And they somehow thought that he was ramming Christianity down our throats. But yet it, somehow it's okay for us to be, have this anti-cop, anti-law enforcement, anti-American and he message. goes to he goes and, to and, Haiti. And, he goes to yeah. Africa, and this is on his downtime. Yeah, he does this, and he does a, this out of his own pocket a lot of times. And yeah, he, he he actually is raising funds for and building a children's hospital in the Philippines, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it so, was like it was like the uh, if he even go back to uh, how many times he won uh, the Heisman Trophy in college, and you couldn't beat it because he kept on doing like. He was always doing volunteer work. Yeah, I mean, the only, and that's yeah. one of the uh, the uh, rec rooms for the Heisman Trophy is if you're doing like charity work and everything like that. Yeah. and no one could beat him because of that. Yeah, he the, won the Heisman Trophy almost the, like I think three years. One one of the wide receivers that played with him at Florida, uh, David Nelson, graduated from Ryder. Okay. Town. Um, uh, won a national championship with uh, Tim Tebow at quarterback. Um, loved playing with Tim Tebow, you know, and and I think he, Tim Tim really kind of helped mold a lot of these players. Yeah, he won. Okay, okay, okay. You know? He was nominated uh, three times and only won it once. Yeah, but to get that nomination, I mean, you have to do like a bunch of stuff. Well, no, I mean, for the Heisman Trophy, it's all based on your stats. So is it? yeah, it is. It, it's the the Heisman Trophy is a. I thought it was like voted in and and. Well, yeah, in. you're voted, um, based on your stats. You've it, it it comes down to four finalists and the Heisman Trophy alumni, votes who wins the next Heisman Trophy, um, and I, I think sports writers have something to do with it as well. But any all that aside, uh, I'm really glad that Tim Tebow is trying to make that comeback. He's gonna. I mean, I think he's gonna be a good fit as a tight end. With Trevor Lawrence being the quarterback, um, I mean, you can almost look for those two to really kind of, kind of. I mean, Tim Tebow can kind of come in and really help mentor Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, as far as public image, uh, the way that you know, with the way to to look at the league. Because uh, Tim Tebow's got a very unique perspective. I mean, he's he he left the league. He played for the league. He, you know, he he's he's been able to to analyze the league from the outside, and you know now he's trying to get back in, and he I, I think that as a tight end he will be taken more seriously as a player from the fan base. Unfortunate, and it's an unfortunate thing that this this would even be a thing, but I think that he would be more taken more seriously as a tight end than he ever was as a quarterback. Not to take away from his quarterbacking skills, because I mean the guy does have some wins, a very you know, and in a very very uh, prominent playoff victory against the Steelers as a 
quarterback for the Broncos. Um, and then what was it? First play from from scrimmage in overtime against the Steelers, he throws a touchdown strike, and you know, and then he gets dismantled by New England the following week. But you know, all that aside, but um, it, it, Bradshaw going getting back to Bradshaw and Aaron Rodgers. Um, I mean, he called him. I mean, Bradshaw called. He was not nice to Rodgers, like at all. I mean, he kind of really laid it out there. Um, with him being that upset, shows me how weak he is. Who the hell cares who you draft? I mean, he's a three-time MVP in the league, and he's worried about the, this guy they drafted last year at number one. Um, and he goes, and for him to be upset, my God, I don't understand that. Uh, let me see here. But all, he says, but and, Terry and, Terry's uh, like a old veteran in the sport, so yeah. I mean, I mean, he's old school, smash mouth football kind of a guy. But he has spent. So I mean, he's, I mean, Terry Bradshaw has been an analyst for Fox for God, going on God. twenty years, I think now. No, longer than that, because he was back in the nineties, wasn't? He? Uh, I I'm finding out. Yeah, but and I mean, he just just raked Aaron Rodgers over the coals. And, you know, and I think to a degree, yes, we need to hear more of that because these superstars in the league, they think that, okay, well, I've done this, 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 and this. Well, that does buy you some clout. It does not buy you everything. And I think that a lot of these players, they've forgotten what it's like to get raked over the coals. You know, I mean, he, I mean, just because, you know, and it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers calling for the firing of the of the general manager of the team. No, I mean, while you're the guy out there on the field, put you know putting these results up, and producing these numbers, and, and getting the wins for these teams or for this team, who do you think was responsible for putting those key pieces of of, of personnel into place to help enable you to win? They, you know, it just. You can't really have one without the other. Yeah, you can bring in another GM, but as soon as Aaron Rodgers leaves, guess who they're going to hire back? Yeah. You know, and it's like at, at that point, what is the message that's being sent? So these two need to either get put into a room somewhere with a pair of boxing gloves and just have at it, or they need to publicly go out, have a press conference together, and really at that point, Flesh it out for everybody to see. Either I, way, one way or the other, Aaron Rodgers needs to shit or get off the pot. You either sit out this year, you need to just go ahead and retire, you need to go somewhere else. Yeah, sometimes or you, you just, just need, need to, to take shut a breather. Up. Yeah, yeah you sometimes know. you just need to take a breather. But uh, no, uh, Terry Bradshaw's been uh, doing broadcasting since 1984. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. But yeah. Because as soon as he retired from football, and his stats are so stellar. Four-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Super Bowl MVP, yeah. uh, uh, NFL's most valuable player. He he's a generational uh, player. Yeah, he was one of those generational guys. But yeah, Terry Bradshaw said this. He says, "Quote: Here's what I do. I wouldn't budge. Let him gripe. Let him cry. Retire. You're 38. Go ahead and retire. See you later. I mean, I'm really strong about stuff like that, and it just makes him look weak. And in in my way of looking at it, it makes him look weak." How dare you draft somebody? I play better than they thought I would. Me being the MVP really screwed them, really messed them up. Well, obviously, he didn't need the money, so he probably should just retire and go do Jeopardy. I wouldn't budge. Um, and, I mean, he, he, he goes what on. Was, 
He was the one that was supposed to go on. The, well, the, he, he, he loves Jeopardy, and he yeah. was constantly going on there. Whenever they would have their like celebrity Jeopardies, he was constantly winning. Yeah. Um, and, and he did had voiced some, some desires to want to be the new host. Because he was ho- he, he uh, guest host for a couple of Yeah, he did guest host for a few, and he was like, oh, this would be something you know I'd really like to do. Well, you know why? You know why one of those uh, game shows is really, uh, really uh, easy to do and everything like that is because they do the whole, they do their entire season probably within a month or two. Yeah, yeah. And the rest of the time, I mean, they do all the seasons. It's like, yeah. But uh, that that's the that's the thing on that. Yeah, I mean, they they were still playing episodes, new episodes with Alex Trebek as the host up until like I think a month and a half after Alex Trebek had died. So, but, um, I mean, Bradshaw really kind of, I mean, he really kind of hit it on the head. I mean, Aaron Rodgers really put Green Bay as an organization into a pickle. I mean, if he retires, then he takes care of it. They can't trade him. If they trade him, they're going to lose too much money. So, I mean, they're going to take a hit. I mean, they're going to take a bath on his contract. Um, Yeah, that's where a lot of uh, uh, sports news uh, places were saying. Uh, Mostly, mostly it was a... Dan uh, Hathaway off of uh, Drinking Burrows. He was. It, it was. It's just a. It's a gamble. Yeah. It's a really big gamble, and it, it really is. I mean, you can let him go. He's still, uh, if he's able to, go and do the Jeopardy thing, and it, it, it might just be the, the the fact that uh, he's at that age to where I can't really say he's at the age where he should be retiring from uh, that kind of sport, but. Because you got you got people that like uh, I hate to hammer this down, but you got uh, Tom Brady who's like almost like what forty two? Yeah, he's forty three. Yeah, forty three, and he's still playing like and he's, on his and he's under game. contract for another two years at least. Yeah, and yeah, I mean the guy. I mean it's about your worth ethic, you know, your work ethic. Yeah, and <laughs> while Tom Brady, do I agree with everything that he says? No, but he conducts himself as a professional. When he shows up for work, he's the first one there. He spends a lot of time in the film room. He, he's, I mean, the guy is relentless about yeah. his craft. Um, and he's always the last guy to leave. So, you know, it's... it's uh, Much as you want to hate him, you can't hate him. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you could say I, it's like, man... And it's always easy to hate the guy that's winning. Um, yeah. You know, but... I, that goes up the same thing. It's like uh, now, is is he is he a good person in, in 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 out in real life, out in the world? I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about him personally to to say either way. Yeah, even even when you look at a person doing in, interviews and everything like that, you really can't really know a guy, right? Except Michael Irving. <laughs> that guy puts everything on the table when he does interviews. Yes. Yeah. He is so entertaining. I, I don't. It's even entertaining watch. to watch, and even yeah. when he knew, like when he was a player, he was stabbing guys in the locker room when they were used to do haircuts. I mean, he stabbed a guy, stabbed one of his teammates with a pair of scissors. Yeah, it. But, he he is one of those characters that uh, you see what you get, and sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Um. But yeah. It, oh, something of note here, uh, real quick, and we might try to wrap this up here. Um, Amazon was supposed to start airing. Uh, Thursday Night Football exclusively in 2023. Um, <clears throat> they got that got pushed up to to, to next year. Uh, this Sorry. was Fox's last season of broadcasting Thursday Night Football. Oh crap! And uh, they, I mean, they're they're not 
leaving the NFL, I mean, that, that, that is worth billions of dollars to oh, the yeah, NFL yeah. and Fox. So, I mean, that, that is a match made in heaven, and those are, can, those are going to be consummate bedfellows for years. Now, yeah. um, Amazon really didn't have a problem finding the money to get the rights a year sooner. Um, a tweet from Darren Rogel uh, on Twitter, Amazon will spend $1.2 billion a year on their Thursday night football rights. That works out to about 0.2% of their expected 2021 revenue. Oh wow! So Amazon not hurting for cash. No, um, I think what they're I'm still doing, waiting for the Lord of Rings. Well, that's a or the uh, oh the, the the series that they're supposed to be producing. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be kind of cool. But um, I, I and to me with Amazon doing that, that really kind of it really bolsters that is the, a power play. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're you're incentivizing people to subscribe to Amazon Prime. Because not well, only for their shopping, their online shopping, but you get that access to Prime Video, which is where you're going to have to get your Thursday night football. Yes. Well, what's happening right now uh, with the streaming services and everything, uh, HBO Max and Netflix have been in talks to um, monetize, basically put advertisement and everything. You can still buy the, like, the premium package to where you don't get any uh, advertisements or anything. And this is Netflix. Because they're they're basically bleeding money right now, and they well have Netflix just raised their rates, and 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 to me honestly, and I'll catch hell for this, but I don't care. Um, Netflix, I think a big part of Netflix's problem is the fact that they are catering these shitty productions to the woke crowd. Mm. It, let me finish. There, I mean. You, you had a lot of these really great quality shows like Lost in Space. It's getting one final season, and then they're canceling it. Um, they went in and they canceled all the net all the uh, all the Marvel series that they had. Well, that wasn't their fault. It they more, they more they Disney. Ref- well, to an extent, yeah, Disney did have a say in that, but Netflix was canceling those series well before Disney Plus was even an, even a remote twinkle in the eye of the public. Okay. Um, but Netflix, Netflix is, okay, so if you look at it, okay, so, and in, in here's where we get nerdy. Look at Firefly, for an example. Amazing show. 14 episodes long. It's been years since the show was canceled, and it still has a devout following, right? Exactly. Okay. Fox did not renew that show because Fox, the, the executives at Fox didn't think that it was going to do that well. They're like, yeah, we'll order this one season for 14 episodes. 13. Was it 13? I thought it was 14. It was only 13. 13. I swear it was 14. Anyways. Well, it's kind of, okay, okay. That's beside the point. Quick, quick cropo on this one. Uh, You really can't tell because the episodes were ran in a really fucked up order. Yeah, okay. Especially when it came out on TV. But anyways, go on. Anyway, so they order one season. You know, 13 or 14 episodes of Firefly, and they cancel it. And when the show went to syndication, whenever the show went into reruns, the popularity of this show exploded. Um, and then Fox was just sitting there going, uh, how you know, we didn't Well, know. they did the same thing with uh, Family Guy. Yeah, they did the same thing with Family Guy. Family Guy saw its resurgence um, through Cartoon Network, and then Fox was like, oh, well, we're going to bring the show back and just slam them for new episodes. Um, but, you know, Netflix is doing the same thing that Fox did. 
and they, they, they get these really great shows. And they cancel them, and then they renew people like the Obamas, or they renew David Letterman. And they're doing it to cater to this woke crowd, and it's like, there's a new hashtag going around. It's hashtag get woke, go broke. Yeah. And I think that, that there, we're really starting to see that come into play, especially with these streaming services. They're catering to these small, vocal minority crowds instead of focusing on actual content. And ultimately, do I think that, that the um, over, overly liberal and ultimately uneducated um, I think approach it's to life that the Hollywood main you know mainstream Hollywood uh, crowd that, that they've adopted this as their own kind of a thing uh, I mean for example like the Oscars this year the, I mean they took a nosedive in the ratings I mean they 63, basically uh, 63 percent yeah 63 percent dip in the ratings and it, I mean it, to me if that's not a glaring indication that nobody cares what the Hollywood elite has to say anymore I don't know what is. I mean, I mean, unless they just get like a four percent viewer rating, they. I mean, they. The network. What was it? NBC that aired it this year, or ABC? I can't remember. It's usually what. ABC that aired. Yeah, it was stuff. ABC. Anyway, the network that was responsible for the for the Oscars this year took a bath on it. I mean, absolutely took a bath on it because nobody watched it. But. Um, I mean, because you start seeing some of these other networks that they're offering, like, specials and, you know, they do one-offs or, you know, they offer something that's a better alternative to watching the Oscars, you know. And, and I think that Netflix really needs to pay attention. And yeah, so, yeah, it was ABC. And Netflix, I mean, it, regardless of to what streaming service that you're a part of, these these platforms really need to start paying attention to the writing on the wall because for the most part people are absolutely sick of having this woke message rammed down their throats and it's either anti-american anti-police it's pro-black it's you know it's anti every other group these streaming platforms are going to run into a very slippery slope of, of introvert or not introverted, but uh, reverse racism, because they're going to promote one ethnic group over everybody else, whether it's black one month, Hispanic the next, month, and the next Asian day it was like, why month. aren't you supporting? And it's already starting uh, yeah. a little bit to where it's yeah, and they not try as to bad. throw it's yeah, like, yeah, it's like oh, we're this this uh, this support of the month is this this support of the month is this. I mean. You have, like, you know, you got the Autism Month, you got the Black History Month. Yeah. You got a lot of stuff. It's like, oh, no, no, we support this now. Yeah. But in the next month, they're totally against it. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of, and it goes into that tirade that we had during our, uh, was it first or second sports episode, where we were talking about politics and sports, and just, uh, they don't have a place in sports, it's just leave it alone. Yeah, we're going to have to cut it out that, because yeah. you just, you'll go, you'll go into well, your and, and I'll make it again. quick, and I'll make it quick, because, like... Okay, you got a minute. To, to, you yeah. have a minute. And so I'm the segue, segue from Hollywood back to sports. Uh, Morgan Freeman. I mean, he was quoted as saying, he's like, I, we, I don't want a Black History Month. He said, because, you know, if you, if you want to get away from racism, you need to stop 
espousing these superiority complexes by assigning months to people. We don't have a White History Month. We don't have an Asian History Month. We've got a Black History Month, though. We've got a Hispanic History Month. But nobody else. I mean, and, and, and we need to stop. We need to get away from that. And sports figures need to get away from that because you're, you're taking away from the product that you were hired to produce. And I think for overall, it's, it's watering down society. But to that end, getting back to Amazon spending $1.2 billion a year. You need to take the full minute. Getting back to, yeah, getting back to Amazon, you know, I, I think this is going to work out for them. Um, and to be fair, that was your fault talking about Amazon and HBO Max. I mean, uh, Netflix and HBO Max. That wasn't my fault. You could have oh, just went was, off of it and just we cut can it off. Roll, yeah, but whatever. You know that that's not going to happen. You just roll back the tape and watch it. That's not my fault. Anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's totally your fault. Because um, you went on the freaking tangent. I just said, hey, uh, HBO yeah. Max and Netflix is going to have to monetize. Okay. That Anyways, was all I said. So we've been at this for almost two hours, maybe a little yeah, bit. Yeah, uh, we but, can actually cut this off a little bit. And, yeah. Because we got to get um, uh, so I'm trying to think of anything that's coming up that's like big and pertinent for next week. Um, uh, I think the NBA season finally is finally winding down. Um, NHL, there's, I mean, they're still in full swing. Uh, Kyle Busch won recently uh, this past week in a Kansas uh, Kansas Speedway uh, for NASCAR. Uh, I think Darlington next week is the race in Darlington. And Darlington, what's unique about the race in Darlington, it's it's throwback weekend. So it's cool to look at the different, the, 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 the like the Xfinity guys and the, and the Cup guys to see what they do with their paint schemes. And this is really the one weekend a year that they get to really kind of do something cool with the paint scheme on their cars. Um, I know that a lot of guys are... How do they do that with all the sponsors, though? Uh, the sponsors really get on board with it because, I mean, it, it, it that that race alone... Every car that's in the field really gets this, uh, they, they really get a lot of camera time. And, it, and it's not so much like if you watch the races on TV, they spend a lot of time either mid-pack or up front. They don't really don't focus through the field. Mm-hmm. And But with the, with the throwback paint scheme weekend, it's really cool because it incorporates the history of the sport and it gives each team a chance to be on screen, to be on camera, and the sponsors that help sponsor these cars, that help these teams afford to, to go to the different racetracks every week, it gives them a chance to be advertised, which is what they're doing when they're paying these dollars to the spon- or to these teams. It's basically just a rolling billboard. Um, now, so like uh, like Alex Bowman, he, he runs the 48 Allied uh, Chevy Camaro. Um, He's, he's doing uh, an old modified street stock type uh, paint scheme that his crew chief ran back in the day. Oh, nice. And um, uh, what was it? Uh, Kyle Larson runs the number five HendrickCars.com uh, car for uh, Hendrick Motorsports. He's running a paint scheme that he ran on his first go-kart. Oh, really? Yeah. And, and uh, like Chase Elliott, he's running the Hooters paint scheme that I just weekend. Want to see, I just want to see the cars. Yeah, uh, the the paint scheme on the cars because that, that that now that sounds really interesting. Yeah, and so like okay, so uh, Chase Elliott here, he's running the one of his main sponsors is Hooters, the Hooters restaurant chain. I hate Hooters. <laughs> well, um, but the paint scheme that he's he's bringing to the track is is a throwback to Alan Kowicki. Um He was the one of the the he was an owner slash driver um, back in the nineties. Okay, and he ran the number seven Hooters. Ford Thunderbird card, and he ran. He won a championship in that car, 
And um, so he's really, he's, he's paying homage to Alan Kowicki by running that particular paint scheme on his Chevy Camaro uh, this coming weekend. And, and it's really kind of cool just to, to, to go and, and look. I think it's jayski.com. It's J-A-Y-S-K-I.com, jayski.com. Um, he's really kind of like the go-to for NASCAR news. Um, and, and what is something, it? Jayski, J-A-Y-S-K-I, jayski.com. He'll have a section on there for paint schemes, and, and it'll show – uh, if the if the teams have released what the team is going to run that weekend, it'll show what that paint scheme is going to be. Um, okay, here we go. Some sad NASCAR news, uh, and something that's a little personal to me. Um, former driver Eric McClure died over the weekend, uh, forty three years old, and uh, I had the chance to meet Eric McClure a few years back when uh, the Xfinity guys were. Uh, in Texas for a weekend, and I used to build 124 scale cars, mm-hmm. um, uh, the plastic model kits. I would detail the crap out of them, and uh, I've got some of those pictures uh, from that weekend. I've got pictures of the models that I built, um, and uh, I'll send them to you so you can put them up uh, if you want. But uh, he he died, and um, so I texted. One of my uh, really good friends that, I mean, was friends Yeah, it was just uh, cardiac health problems. Well. That's all it's saying. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of details about it. But uh, he, he, he stepped away from driving to really kind of become an owner. And uh, his first wife, his, his wife, his ex-wife, they, he, they had seven girls together. Um, there was a lot of... Um, Domestic there was, there was, violent charges. It was a domestic abuse charge. And a order now, for 12 months of probation. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Um, just being on the inside and in, in knowing that this is going to be seen by people, I don't want to put out a, a lot of the information. I'll give you some of the information that I know, you know from the other side of the argument uh, off camera. But the, the stories that were released about him, the domestic abuse, uh, the, the, the things that went on during his divorce, don't believe it at face. Don't take it at face value. Okay. Um, yeah, some of that stuff you get to look at. Like like I say a lot of the time, sometimes you get to know yeah. the situation. Now, I had the chance again to meet Eric McClure, spent some time with him that race weekend. We hung out. We ate lunch at, you know, as, you know, as part of the team, race team that weekend. Um, I, I built some models of some of his, some of two of the cars that he had run. And he had actually commissioned me to to build these for him. I, you know, I charged him like fifty bucks to build two of them because he was giving us garage passes and tickets to the race the following day. Okay. Um, but he was a really down to earth guy, absolute Christian. Um, he, uh, his dad was uh, Larry McClure. Uh, he used to own the uh, Morgan McClure Motorsports. Uh, they ran the number four Kodak film car back in the nineties, uh, like. Uh, uh, Sterling Marlin, Kenny uh, Kenny Irvin, uh, I think uh, I think uh, Bobby Hamilton even I think ran that car. Uh, and, and these are some of like the old school like legacy names that you know, from the sport yeah. that had run that car. Um, hefty trash bags, uh, hefty you know he- hefty plastic products. 
they they were Eric's primary sponsor. I mean, they start. I mean, they were literally his ride or die. I've got one of his um, hefty racing hats in my storage unit. Okay. Um, but uh, I had seen that it was announced on Twitter that he died, and so um, I texted my buddy. And I was like, "Hey, did you hear that Eric McClure died?" And he was like, "What? Where did you hear this?" And he texted me back and goes, "No, never mind. It's already been verified." He's like, uh, "I'm." He's like, "I'm devastated." And like the people that knew him, I mean, I, I I've met him and I've I've had the chance to talk to him, but my 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 friend knew him. I mean, they were bona fide friends. I mean, they had each other's phone numbers. They hung out. They did things. Um, they spent time at and away from the track. I, I mean, they were they were friends, and. It, you really you really start to see the human side of these drivers, these personalities that are going out there and putting their lives on the line in the cars. And it's and, and there's so much more than just that. I mean, they're, they're, they're complex human beings like, like you and I are. And all anything aside from what the public or from, from what the public relations uh, from NASCAR had released about him post driver, and, and he was actually in the process of, of trying to become a driver again. He wanted to get back in the car because uh, he really missed that competitive fire. He had actually had, since his divorce, had met an amazing woman, and they were engaged, and they were about to get married. And, and it was actually his fiance that confirmed it on her Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. is it Karen Tibbs? I got the Tibbs right. But yeah. I'm, uh, Karen, Kara. Kara, uh, yeah, something like that. But um, you really... Really, I mean, my, my heart and my prayers go out to his family, his daughters, his, um, his parents, um, his, his close and extended family, to include his friends. Really, you, you, you look at what, what he endured on the personal side of things. Uh, he, he almost died um, a couple of years ago from an undiagnosed injury stemming from a crash that he was involved in at Talladega okay. before he retired from driving the first time. And uh, he recovered from that. And uh, he really, I mean, he was, he was making strides towards getting back in a car. And, I mean, he would have had that, that sponsorship come with him. So, I mean, that's already one hurdle that he wouldn't, you know, that he had already overcome. As far as getting back in the car, it's just finding that team that would put him in good equipment to make him competitive and things of that nature. Because, um, I mean, the guy was intelligent. I mean, absolutely intelligent. And, uh, you know, like I said, he down to earth, no, no, no BS about the guy. I mean, he, he, he would tell you what he thought, and he, he would be the same kind of guy that would come along and just really kind of take you under his wing and, and, and really kind of just talk to you like a, like a, like a human being. And he didn't have a overinflated ego. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't overinflated at all. I mean, the guy knew, Hey, look, I I'm here because of the fans and this is, this is what, this is what I do for a living and not everybody gets to do it. And he didn't take it for granted. Um, and I know that, hanging up the helmet and walking away from the sport, I think it was more health-related and more personal-related, but I knew that he missed that competitive fire, which is why he started. He, he, he bought into the ownership of a late-model car and 
uh, some of the, the lower tier series in the NASCAR, uh, NASCAR side of the, of, of the world. And him wanting to be, you know, put the helmet back on and get back into a car and really just kind of at the age of 43 really shows that the, 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 the competitive fire never really leaves these guys. Once they get out of the car, I mean, that, that stuff gets into your blood. It's like baseball or football or even basketball to an extent to some people. They, 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 they need that competition. And it does, it's not because it's what defines them as an individual. It's like, it's like soldiers, veterans. We get out of the military, you know, a lot of us lose that identity. But the, that, that fire to be a part of something bigger than yourself never really leaves. Yeah. So we need to find ways to try to hone that or to, 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 to harness that. And he tried to do that through the, through the ownership side. And ultimately, he was given the opportunity to get cleared medically to come back and be a driver again. But well, it looks like he is actually having health problems back in 2013. Right, like I said, yeah, it was, that was it stemming was, from it, it. It kept on escalating a little yeah. bit because he and had tra- uh, treatment for his kidney failure and yeah. both of his kidneys. And again, that was in 2019. And it was because of an undiagnosed injury from a yeah, and he had, and and had at least two concussions in his concurrent, leaving him with long-term side effects. Yeah, I mean, he had a. He had a stellar career. I mean, even, even that. Uh, 2016, on the 14th season career, he made 288 starts. Yeah. That's that's really high up there. Yeah. I mean, he, you could count on him to be in the field. Uh, I think yeah. his best finish was like, uh, I think it was third at Talladega. Um, but, I mean, the guy, aside from his driving, uh, you know, his, his driver stats, he was, a, he was a quality human being. And I, I think NASCAR is going to be... Uh, it's... I think the NASCAR community as a whole is, is going to be, I don't want to say worse off without him, but at the same time, he brought something to the community you know the racing community that is something that that's very intangible i mean he was he was approachable he was personable and he was he, above all else he was genuine so he will be missed and on the last news uh this just came in about 14 a uh, couple of hours ago uh capitals forward has been fined five thousand dollars a day after he punched a raven uh, raven pavel Volkovich in the head and tossed a helmet, <laughs> helmetless, uh, Amory, I, this is the reason why I don't follow, uh, hockey, is because a lot of the names I can't even pronounce. Yeah, um, I was just uh, looking at that, actually, um, uh, on the ice, I mean, could you, I mean, hockey's one of those sports, though, uh, I still consider hockey, like, uh, you got your football players and you got your baseball players and everything like that, and they're they're in the league. And you know, hockey players are a different type of breed altogether, only because of the one thing and one thing only. I've seen a guy get his throat cut, go into the locker room, get stitched up, and back on the ice. Yeah, I know. Which I, I that I know that. Uh... And I'm not talking like. It was like, oh, it was a tiny. No, well, no, no. It was like gushing blood. He he called for a priest to have his last rites administered in the locker room, and when they get they get him to the hospital, he asked the doctor. He's like, hey, can I get back out there for the third period? Well, well, no. I mean, because 
he <laughs> he was afraid. His biggest fear was that his mom was going to watch him die on TV. Um, but he was out there like two nights later. Yeah, back in the crease. It's it's just a it's a force of nature with those guys. Yeah, I mean, but the, the, this Tom Wilson guy, he really. Because I saw I saw this uh, when you sucker punch night. guys. I mean, fighting in hockey is kind of one of the things that you go to a hockey game to watch. Yeah, because you get a, you get a mat you get a uh, you get hockey your, you match. Get your two you enforcers. Get you get your two goons out there. Yeah, and they'll they'll square off, and the fight is broke up. Well, At the NHL level, the fight is broken up when somebody hits the Technically, it's like ice. two sports right there. Yeah. Because because you got because you got guys that can actually play on hockey hockey level and everything like that, and then you got a person that plays on hockey level and is a good boxer. Yeah. I mean the the the, the, the Washington National or Capitals rather they uh, <laughs> they deleted this tweet. I mean it 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 just. Uh, I mean, what is it? It's. Um, I mean, they they they. It, okay, so they 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 showed a picture of this Tom Wilson guy, mm-hmm. and they broke it down into brackets. Like his head is like all she 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 you know she she you know. Oh yeah, and the I, body I see is, it right is now. showing just... rent free, and then down at the skates, yeah. it's like the best uh, the best goal scorer in the league. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Yeah, it, I, so it. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm watching the event of what happened. Yeah, I mean, and I, I saw that hilarious. too. And I'm just like, wow, but I'll. Uh, <laughs> I think what me, gets under the say, skin of me, a lot of you know, I think what gets under the skin of a lot of people about hockey is the fact that I mean, it's it's just a sport dominated by alpha males, and I well, I I wouldn't say that all too much, only because I have a lot of people that actually. Well, you, you okay? So, so you get these old-time hockey fans. They're the, like, okay, this sport is what no. It's I just the male thing. I know a lot of women that watch hockey. I, I agree with you. They're very well. Then let me rephrase that. Yeah. Let me reword that. It's not so much the fact that alpha it's dominated by yeah. It's 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 an alpha personality type sport. So yes, if we're going to be gender inclusive here, yes, it's an alpha personality sport, and a lot of these people that that are starting to learn about the game. They're like, well, why are they fighting? They don't need to be fighting to fight. It's just unprofessional. It's like, you know what? It's part of the sport. It's, it's part of the sport. It's just like bench clearing brawls are part of the sport in baseball. You know, you get the two teams, even the bullpens empty out, and everybody meets in the middle. There's a lot of shoving. Yeah, there's going to be some punches thrown, but there's some gentleman rules to it. You know, and I mean, it's like it's not savage bar, you know, barbarism. You know, where you I mean guys are getting their you know, getting cut and stabbed, and, you know, people aren't pulling guns out in you know, the middle of these scrums. They get broke up, and you're going to have these cooler heads that prevail, and then you're going to have your, your ejections, and you're going to have your suspensions handed out, and people are going to pay the piper for the things that they did during that particular event, and then everybody walks away. Yes, the rivalry is still there. Yes, the, the, the animosity is still there, but it gets handled. The games police themselves, and... Yeah, because uh, you know it just, it's basically it, it literally is. It's not the goon; it's the enforcers. Yeah, but you get these people that are like, "Well, that's just toxic masculinity." It's like you know we need to get away from that because I personally, uh, we, I, we're, I we're, we're, cut, we're cut for time on that yeah, one. Yeah, because we'll, I can we'll go get into, into that later. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I, I just let this guy be. I mean, he's going to get his penalties handled handed out to him. Fine, whatever. Do what needs to be done there, but then just move on it and let's play the game. Yep. 
All right. Well, that's the end of it. So uh, thank you for watching Nerd uh, Sports, and uh, catch you next time. I'm David Dickerman. I'm Johnny Skelton. And thank you for watching. Goodbye. Have a, have a good week. Yep. How long, how long did that one run? Uh, I don't know because... Because we're still going to do the 30 minute of... Uh...